All right. And uh, let's turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. It's hard to believe this is our 11th lesson here in the Sermon on the Mount, but uh, we are moving at a great pace this time compared to others. And and again, the scope <coughs> excuse me, is a little different as we are looking at the Sermon on the Mount to explain these Beatitudes, these blessings. And uh, tonight we look at, Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. And, and certainly um, of the Beatitudes, I would think that this one would be more difficult than others to really understand what is being said here because every one of us can uh, <clears throat> kind of gin up desires to, uh, to say, well, yes, yes, I want to serve the Lord. I, I want righteousness in, in my life. But hunger and thirst are natural desires. Um, how many of you have to stop and think, well, you know, uh, dinner time was an hour ago. I guess I should be hungry. Does anybody have that problem? Uh, most of us have the opposite problem, don't we? Uh, oh, it's only 11 o'clock. Man, I feel like it's 1 o'clock in the afternoon. I feel like I've missed lunch. And, and, and How many are you with me on that one? I, I'm a little more on, on that side of things. Uh, I, I enjoy and, and uh, eating and uh I'll tell you, uh, the, uh, the uh, I'm not one of these people that have ever really endorsed that uh, eight ounces, eight cups of eight ounce water every day. I mean, uh, I, I actually talked to my doctor about it, and he told me he said, when you're thirsty, your body will tell you. Uh, just pouring all this water down is not necessarily going to help you, and so. Uh, the point that I am trying to make is this idea of hungering and thirsting ought not be something that we say, oh, wow, I need to get that desire. It ought to be something that is there, something that comes from inside of us. And the uh, I want to challenge you that if we will really look at what the Bible says meekness is, as we go through that, talking about personal relationships and the words that, that we speak and the thoughts that we think in our relationship with other people, we're going to find something. We're going to find that we come up short in every measure. You see, that's what ought to be the... Hunger inciter. How many of you remember the chemical agent MSG? Uh, it was. Uh, there are still some restaurants that use that, but I mean, it, it got a lot of bad press, and uh, I think it probably should have because uh, what the restaurants would do is they could sprinkle a little of that MSG right on the food, and you would eat it, 
and what it would do was it would inflame or excite your taste buds. And so the food was like, wow, flavor. But then it kind of just blocked everything, and, and uh, it did have some dietary problems and health issues all attached to this. And, and um, what we want to be careful of is that we do not add MSG to our spiritual appetite. That, that we don't, and that's part of the problem. Uh, we often talk about the uh, charismatic movement or uh, the, the tongue-speaking movement here, and very rarely is it in a positive light because there's just so little of the Bible really attached to that thing. Uh, uh, the music is normally... Uh, uh, rock and roll based music. It's, it's made to excite people. It's made to get, uh, generate emotions and things. And here is what Jesus is dealing with here. As we move, there is some overlap. We really want to make sure we, we go into tonight's lesson thinking about this. Read verse 48 carefully with me as I read it out loud. Be ye therefore perfect even as your Father which is in heaven. Is perfect. This is the epitome. This is what meekness truly is. Is operating at the direction of God in our lives. And we come up short. And so we move into chapter 6. And it says, Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. So the first section of this, talking about hungering and thirsting, after righteousness has to deal with giving. The second part, and when thou prayest, be, uh, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, when thou hast shut the do- and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to the Father which is in secret. And thy father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our father which art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So tonight we're going to talk about two things. The challenge is, be ye therefore perfect, as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. 
And then Jesus says, when you involve yourself in giving, don't be like the hypocrites are. When you pray, don't pray like the hypocrites are. I remember years ago, uh, I was out on visitation while I was uh, a student in Bible college, and I just knocked on the door and the person thought they had an, uh, an answer for me. He said, I'm not going to church because church is full of hypocrites. And I'm going, wow. I, 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 there, there is some truth to that. There are hypocrites in church. And I went back and talked to my then pastor and I said, well, how do you answer that? He said, well, that's real simple. Are there any hypocrites at the place where you work? Hello? Uh, Do you refuse to take a paycheck because there are hypocrites where you work that don't believe in your company and your business? Uh, I think to borrow Jesus' words, I trow not. Uh, You're going to go to work and you're going to work with the hypocrites and you're going to put up with them and you're going to get your paycheck because you have earned it. And putting up with the hypocrites is part of earning a paycheck sometimes, is it not? Uh, it, it's one of the frustrations that you have to put up with, and you uh, you do that. Are there going to be hypocrites in church? Just like there are at work, just like there are at the supermarket, just like there are in every facet of life. There are hypocrites. In fact, I think it was Brother Dave was telling me the story. Uh, they were... And some little, uh, was a 5K run or 3K run or something, and some guy was there on his big motorcycle all decked out, looked like he was one of those guys left over from Vietnam. The only problem was that was his dad's time period, not his. What do you see written all over that? Hypocrite! Uh, you know, we cannot stop other people from being hypocrites. But shouldn't we have a vested interest in not allowing ourselves to be named among that number? Hello? You see, if we'll be honest, every one of us have come to church because we're supposed to. Not because we want to. We have put money in the offering plate because we're supposed to. Maybe we've even prayed because we're supposed to, but we never believed that God was really going to deal with this problem. Would anybody say guilty? My hand's up. All of us have been hypocrites at one time or another in our relationship with God. What's the solution? Getting the proper natural desires to work. Another illustration might be, I'm sure everyone has heard of the, the, the illustration here is hungering and thirsting. Uh, there are people that have all kinds of eating disorders. Uh, there's anorexia where people won't eat and they'll literally starve themselves, sometimes even to death. 
And, and then there's bulimia, where they just eat and 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 they can't. And let me tell you, there is no organic disease there. It's all right here. The desires, the natural tendencies of the human body have been overridden by emotional and other issues to a point to where it affects the physical health. Are, are we together there? And uh, there's great realms of psychology and books written on how to deal with eating disorders and, and all of these things. But it comes right down to this. Somewhere, somehow, you've got to get back on a regular schedule of eating. Right? Eating food sufficient in sufficient quantities to maintain health and not in excessive quantities that bring about a need for a new wardrobe or other other problems like that. And how do we keep this thing regulated? Well, could it be hungering and thirsting after righteousness? Could it not be asking God to create within us, to monitor, to take care of those desires and to regulate them in such a way? Later on, we're going to be talking about treasure. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Uh, Do you think that might be related to blessed are the pure in heart? Oh, man. There there it is. But let's just stop here and let's look at what it says here. It says, Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Now, I'll tell you, we, we try to be very, very careful here in our church about giving. Because giving is part of our worship to God. That's the reason we only take one offering a week. But we do take an offering. We have the men of our church. And one of the things that we ask the men that serve as ushers, we, we want them on, on Sunday morning when they're serving as an usher, we want them to wear a coat and a tie. Why? Because we want people to understand. Anybody visits our church. There's, there's nothing sanctified in a, in a coat or a tie. But if you were going for a, uh, a job interview of any kind, what's the first thing they tell you at, at resume school when you go for a job interview? You better look sharp. Isn't that what they tell you? Hello? Uh, if, if you're going to interview for any kind of professional job whatsoever, you're not going to show up for a Wall Street broker job in your jeans and a t-shirt with a hole in the knee of your jeans and an old pair of tennis shoes. If you do, nobody's going to pay attention to you. But we, we want people to understand that giving is very serious. That's why we have the envelopes. 
because we want to be careful about giving. We want to give in such a way that it cannot be seen or understood by other people what you're doing. You see, verse 2 says, Therefore, when thou doest thy alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Now, I've read some accounts that, that actually claim that the scribes and the Pharisees would actually have uh, hire people that would go before them and, and walk in front of them and they would see some poor beggar sitting there in the street and say, okay, guys, time to, put on, time to do this. And they would, and everybody would look around and they would say, I give unto you and put a big show on. They say that in the temple in Jerusalem, they had built the treasury out of solid masonry stone in the center of one of the courts of the temple. And the way you gave your offering was you dropped it in these golden, they were actually made out of gold, a funnel that would take your money through the wall into the treasury so no one could pilfer the gifts. Well, imagine uh, how many of you have been in a government building around here and the echo of your shoes or hard soles off the Imagine that kind of masonry construction with a golden funnel and the money was not paper like ours is. It was hard currency. It was by weight. Now, could you imagine dropping those coins in that funnel and, and the noise that would be sounded? Uh, our offering plates have a pad in the bottom of them. You know why that is? Because I remember as a kid, my mom giving me a handful of change and the plate would come by and clink, 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 tinkle, tinkle, and everybody's looking around. Well, when we ordered offering plates, I remember the embarrassment that my poor mother and father went through, and we got pads put in the bottom. So when somebody goes, that's about all you hear. You see, there are people whose only purpose in coming to church is to be noticed by someone else. Now, I praise God we've had very little trouble with that here. But there, have, there are churches where it is the Easter parade every Sunday morning. And people are there. And uh, I've even I've, I've had people say, well, um, you know, I know that such and such a church, that's the church all the actors go to and... This church here is the church that professional people go to and they network. What's your church about? I say, well, that's real easy. Our church is about the Bible. Ooh. So you don't do network. No, we do not do networking at our church. And by the way, if you're looking for a husband or a wife, we don't do dating service at our church either. Uh, we've had some people find their husband or wife in our church and we're very... We're very thankful the Lord has done that. But that is not what the church is about. Don't worship God so that other people take notice of who you 
are. We need to be careful. Do you think that is hungering and thirsting after righteousness? I believe it is. I believe it's a good working definition that we would be careful. You know, the Bible says, Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. Let me just turn the page here. It says, For they shall be filled. Would you turn with me to Luke chapter 6? Luke chapter 6. And verse 38. It says, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, and shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. We often read that verse and say this. You cannot outgive God. But if you're giving so that other people will see you give... Guess what? God's not taking notice. But if you're giving out of a pure heart and pure motives to God in worship and honor and glory to Him, guess what? You will receive. Now, be careful. How many of you have ever heard of a preacher named John Avanzini? He's... Getting senior citizen now, he's not around so much as he used to be. But his claim to fame, his uh, uh, big uh, contribution to Christianity was the hundredfold offering. And he would go around preaching that God would give you a hundred times what you put in the offering plate. And he would use this to encourage people to give. And he would say, listen, you put in a dollar. God is obligated to give you back a hundred dollars. Does that sound like the lottery to you? It does to me. It sounds like I can manipulate God into prospering me. You see, that kind of giving has no place in the Bible has no place in the heart of a true Christian. But if you'll give to God, He will supply your needs, let me tell you. I mean, uh, part of the joy of being at Union Baptist this morning was uh, Brother Mike played the, the video this morning and most of the people that attend the church there had not seen uh, the construction and things. They were meeting two blocks down on West Street. And, and of course, we tried to keep people out of the building because until we got it reopened, it was somewhat of a dangerous place to be. And, and, uh, and we were able to uh, tell the news. I was able to tell the newspaper reporter that, the, you know, the Lord provided everything we needed. And, uh, of course, they asked the question and said, well, what, 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 what's it going to take to open the upstairs? Say, so, you know, that's really not on a time frame right now. We prayed that we would get back in the building, and what we're praying for is God to build the church and the congregation, and as that happens, then we're going to work on the upstairs. Well, what's it going to cost? I said, well, you take a look around here. If, 
If we just hired this thing out and made it look original, I said we'd probably be a million and a half to two million dollars just for the main auditorium upstairs. I said, but if we continue doing the work as we are ourselves in our own time and and effort and things and get other people to help, I said, we can probably get it done for about a quarter of that. And uh, the one guy looked at me and said, that's still a lot of money. I said, yeah, that's still a lot of money. I'll tell you what, the Lord's already provided a lot of money. Amen. He, He has brought us this far. He will bring us to where we need to go. You read 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We won't take time there, but uh, one, uh, verse 7 from that chapter is printed on your tithing envelopes. As every man purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. But read the rest of the passage. If you can't give cheerfully, you need to pray about that. Because God will fix your spirit. He'll give you the desires to give biblically. Why? Because God wants you to have a part in His ministry. He wants you to be a partaker for the right reasons. Hungering and thirsting after righteousness. You need to ask God to give you those desires. If you read Mark chapter 10... Jesus is, Peter is looking and he said, now Lord, uh, what are we going to get? He's just talking about the, uh, the rich young ruler had went his way, would not let go of his possessions that he might gain that which no possession, amount of possessions could buy. The Lord Jesus Christ in faith in Jesus Christ. And, and Peter said, listen, Lord, we've left all. What, what are we going to get? How many of you remember the answer? He said, You're going to receive in this life with persecutions. But he said the first are going to be last and the last first. You see, those people that appear and really have the notoriety and all of these things, those are the first. And those that just simply serve the Lord. Those are the ones that God is taking notice of. You you just be faithful where God has put you and ask Him to give you that proper attitude and heart. And, of course, we could take all kinds of time and, and look at this thing backwards and forwards and never even finish this first section here. But just think about Hannah in the Old Testament. You know what? Hannah didn't have anything to give. She had no son. And she said, God, if you'll give me a son, I'll give him to you. She wasn't making a deal with God. She said, I want you to give me something that I can give you that is going to count. Well, Could I challenge you? Samuel counted for the history of Israel. Amen? And God answered her prayer in such a miraculous, and now uh, Hannah's life is on display. Anyone who reads the Bible knows every detail of the anguish of her heart. And But see, 
Hannah's already in glory, so there is absolutely no possibility of her becoming proud or vain or puffed up. Read the whole story. Did God not fill her life to overflowing? Gave her five more kids. And everything that she wanted out of life and more. That's what God says. He'll, he'll fill you. Now let's look at prayer here. And, and when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue and in the corners of the streets. Now I'll tell you, if you really want to be... Uh, Weird in New York City, just find you a street corner and start praying. Close your eyes and lift up your hands. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to pray. You'll probably find yourself out moved out in the middle of the street by the crowd and left there when the light changes and all the cars start going. I'll tell you, not a very smart thing to do. Amen? Are you with me? Is it okay to have a little humor here? Oh, okay, good. Um, but... That's what would happen to you in New York City. Don't, don't do that. But apparently, these scribes, these Pharisees, they felt that they could really put on the show. And uh, I can't remember, I think it might have been Charles Haddon Spurgeon, I'm not sure, who, who made um, the statement that he who prays the loudest and longest in public probably has prayed the least at home. And, uh, you know, sometimes that is true. And, and we need to be careful. I've, I've heard some prayers that have just grieved my soul. Because you know that whoever was praying at that time was praying to be heard of men. The Bible tells us prayer is our communication to God. How in the world can you know that your prayers are right? Well, let God speak to you first. How does God speak to you? It's all written down, isn't it? God speaks to us through this book. If I will take His words into my heart and my soul, and I will let His words filter my desires and my prayers I'll tell you what, my prayers are going to be different, aren't they? And I'm going to reflect back to God in my prayer life that which His Word is working. And uh, I, I get so tired, and I've used this example many times. Um, uh, if you've ever read any of these, uh, uh, I think the guy's name was Peretti. Uh, uh, the name of the... It was a Christian novel called Piercing the Darkness. If you ever see that, just go the other way. Uh, I, 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 someone gave it to me as a Christmas present and as a... Uh, 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 just being nice to them, I, I promised them I would read that thing. I was so angry, I was throwing that book across the room before I was done with it. Because it painted an impotent, empty God that just stood there like a machine that could not move until he had enough prayers of God's people to begin to do things. That's blasphemy, my friends. 
God does not need our prayers. And just like the givers, He's not a slot machine that you put in so many prayers and pull the handle and God's going to give you what you want. I'll tell you, sometimes if you pray long enough and hard enough, God will give you what you want, even if it's not good. Read the story of Hezekiah. God gave him another 15 years, and the most evil king that ever sat on the throne in Jerusalem was born in that last 15 years. His name was Manasseh. I'll tell you what, I, I don't know how many times I've prayed to the Lord. If you're, Lord, you make me ready to go when you want me to go, because I don't want any Manassehs carrying on my testimony. And uh, I just don't want to leave anything like that behind in this life. I want to surrender to God. Does that sound like hungering and thirsting after righteousness? Let me tell you, it is. Prayer is what God uses to mold us to His will. How many times I could give you stories in my life where I prayed for something and I just knew that God was going to answer that prayer and God changed my heart completely. I'll tell you, that's where you want to be. And you see, we've got to understand when we involve ourselves in prayer, it says... Don't pray to be heard of men or to make people think that you're spiritual. And verse 7, don't pray to use vain repetitions. Uh, some years ago, someone published a book called The Prayer of Jabez. And oh man, for a short period of time, it was a number one bestseller. And, and people read the book and said, man, I prayed the prayer of Jabez and it works. And it reminds me of the um, classified ads. How many of you have ever seen those? The prayer of St. Jude. Repeat this prayer seven times for seven days and publish it in the paper. It always works. How many of you have ever seen those things? Oh, every time I see that, I just rip it up. I mean, I just can't stand that kind of attitude. What kind of God is that? It's not the God of the Bible, my friend. It's the God of a human imagination. Mantras are repeated in pagan rituals to transform the worshiper into the desired effect. Prayer is not a mantra. Biblical prayer is talking to a biblical God in a language and in a way that that God will accept as worship. And the only way you can do that is spend a lot of time in God's Word. Amen? And so, as we look at this, in verse 8, it says, Be not ye therefore like unto them. For your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask Him. You know, it is God that is on the move. It is God that is the source of every answer. It is God that is love. It is God that is the action in our prayers. 
our prayers ought to be something that God can use to shape our desires and our heart to match His. Now, if you want the model prayer, the thing that God will use to make this happen, here it is. Now, don't repeat the Lord's Prayer and think you're praying. Uh, I've often used this example, and if you've been through the discipleship, you're going to hear the words that you heard before. You can stand there and repeat the directions. I can give you directions how to get to the church. I could write them out for you, and you could read that paper until Jesus comes back. But it won't get you one step closer to the church until you live those directions. Until you get out of your house and get on the train or drive the in your car and drive. That is how you get to the church. Amen? And every one of you here tonight exercised that kind of activity. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. Well, why should our prayers be some kind of... They've taken the Lord's Prayer, what they call the Lord's Prayer here. It's actually the model prayer or rightfully the disciples' prayer because he was teaching them how to pray. And they've turned it into a vain repetition, haven't they? You see, you want to learn how to pray? It says, verse 9, after this manner, therefore pray ye. Okay, well, here's a model. Here, here is a template. If you're into construction or manufacturing fabrication, you want a blueprint. You want to build according to the set diagram. If you're into sewing, you want to follow the pattern. If you're into cooking, you follow the recipe. Are, are we together? And so, our prayers ought to be addressed to God the Father. Our Father which art in heaven. Don't, don't pray to saints. That's foolishness, my friend. Don't pray. So, well, I, I don't want... I don't want the Holy Spirit to be left out, so I'm going to pray to Him. Whoa, wait a minute. You pray to God the Father in Jesus' name under the influence of the Holy Spirit and nobody gets left out. Amen? And so we direct our prayers to our Father which is in heaven. When's the last time you thank God for saving you? You ought to do that every time you pray. Now, not everybody on this earth has the privilege of having a godly and good father figure. I tell you, I am so thankful that I had a father that loved the Lord and served the Lord. He taught me a lot about God. But if you miss out on it, on this earthly experience as you were growing up, let me tell you, there's a heavenly father that will fill your life if you will let him. He will be that guide. He will be that counselor. He will help you. But just as an earthly father, if you're going to get along with your earthly father, there's one thing you better do. Listen to him. Obey him. Well, you know, I had an earthly father and he wasn't very smart and he doesn't know all these things. Let me tell you something. You listen to him anyway. Unless he's telling you to go out and commit some kind of crime, you, you listen. 
It won't hurt you. You see, you need to understand that we have a Father in heaven who loves us more than any human being can love us. He will direct us. But if you're going to get along with Father, if your Father's a Father, my children know there's just basically one rule in our home. You listen to your Father. And if you have any questions about that, then just review the rule. Listen to your father. And if you don't, then there's going to be things that are going to happen that are going to be unpleasant for me and you. And no, I'm not one of those kind of fathers. This is going to hurt you more than it hurts me. That is not my intention. I want it to be more unpleasant for my child than it is for me because I want to modify behavior. Shouldn't we expect that from our Heavenly Father? Read Hebrews chapter 12. That's the kind of father he is. Don't despise the chastening of your father. Our, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And, and I could spend the whole night on each one of these phrases and have at different times. Our desire ought to be to live a life that makes people think better of the name of Jesus Christ. Every one of us have failed at that. That's why Moses missed the promised land. Because he failed in hallowing God's name. Thy kingdom come. I want God to rule in my heart. I want to be under his dominion in my daily life. But I'm also looking even so come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen? If not, we'll stop and elaborate here. Amen? Okay, got a couple. And, and then it says, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Hey, is God's will ever transgressed in heaven? Nope, can't be. Here's our prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Stop worrying about what you're going to be when you grow up and ask God to get you through today. Ask God to help you live today. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now that's a tough one. Dear Lord, you forgive me my sins against you the same way I forgive others their sins against me. Do you think that that prayer in and of itself would define your earthly and your desires of your heart and your soul, would modify them and change them and bring them into line? That one phrase in that prayer is sufficient for us to understand what it means to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Amen? And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God's not going to lead you into temptation. He cannot be. Read James chapter, uh, uh, James chapter 1. You cannot tempt God. God cannot be tempted. But we're tempted when we're drawn away of our own lust and enticed. God, check those inordinate, those wrong cravings that are in my soul. Help me to hunger for the right things. 
Because thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. This life is preparation for praising God throughout eternity. I'll tell you what, I want to have a long list of things that I can give God glory and praise for. Amen? And then, amen means guaranteed. How can you pray a prayer and say amen at the end? Only if it agrees with what the Scripture says. That's how it works. The Scripture controls my desires, my thoughts, my cravings, my hungering, my thirsting. I'll tell you, the world knows how to advertise. I remember watching this ad. I don't know. It had to have been years and years ago. Some guy is crawling through the desert, dying of thirst, and someone offers him water. He says, no, I don't want that. It was a Budweiser commercial. And I remember laughing the first time I saw that, and then I said, whoa, wait a minute, how perverse is that? The absolute worst thing you can give someone who is actually physically dehydrated is that kind of garbage. It will destroy them. It it can kill you. But you know, a lot of people have their desires shaped by the world. They're not hungering and thirsting for the things that are to their benefit, but to their destruction. That's why Jesus said, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. You want joy. You want blessings. Allow God to give you his desires. Delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall what? Give thee the desires of thine heart. There's a special fulfillment An incredible satisfaction. Really unexplainable in words. When you allow the Holy Spirit of God to put within your heart something that God wants you to pray and struggle and work for, and then God grants you the answer to that prayer. Tell you one of the most recent examples. Reopening Union Baptist Church. Being over there today to preach that sermon at the grand reopening of that church. I tell you, God put that desire in my heart the day we ordained Brother Newberger two years, almost three years before we got that. No, four years, three years before we were even considered the possibility of obtaining that building. The Lord put that desire, and I I begin to pray every time I thought about it. I said, Lord, could you? That building was built by people who love God and serve God, and now nothing is going on there that, that used to go on there. Would you give us the opportunity to have that building and once again have the truth preached there? How many of you got tired of me saying, pray for union again? I hope not. Because God used our church to save that church and to keep it open. 
and to keep a 170-year history from writing its final chapter. That's where union was when the Lord brought us in. Guess what? That's no longer the case. They're holding services every Sunday now, and Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And people are coming. Oh, we wish there were more. Well, how about let's pray a little harder? Could we do that? Would you do that? Let's lift up the Newburgers a, a little more and ask that God would use them in a way and would fill that building. And by the way, don't forget to pray about open door. That God would bring some more people here as well. And Brother Franz. And other churches that God will allow us to start. Hungering and thirsting after righteousness. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask of desire.